Reaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Teaching Tax Flow podcast, episode 56 today. We are going to discuss what changes have been made to a 1099K, what that is, and even why Chris from our team refers to it as the Swifty rule. That's right. How this relates to Taylor Swift concert tickets. So before we do it, let's jump into it. But let's take a moment and thank our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Strategic Associates. Are you a high income earner, real estate investor, or successful entrepreneur who is frustrated by having to pay $75,000 or more of annual tax liability? If so, Strategic Associates can help. Your first step to saving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, is to contact Roger Roundy at roger at strategicag.net or by calling 801-641-2956 and be sure to tell him TTF sent you. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. Today we're going to talk about 1099K. So if you're not familiar with that, look it up a little bit. Um, it's not a new form that is put out by the IRS. It really just is an old form with a fresh coat of paint, some new thresholds in here. Chris Picuro, welcome back to the party, my man. How are we doing today? I am doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic because I know the example that you are going to use to describe the updates to a 1099K. So you guys don't want to hear this from me because I'll just make corny jokes and make it very confusing all day. So Chris, describe to us really what changes we've seen on a 1099k here really in in very recent times this isn't isn't an old change this is something new well john the reason you're gonna like the example i'm using is because you are a mega swifty oh you know it we man know that. it's well now now the whole world knows it between me being a taylor swift fan and a nickelback fan you know it's i kind of get harassed on both sides of the fence actually I, yeah i don't know what fan i am anymore all I know is I am a diehard fan of the Teaching Tax Flow podcast, and so should you, PSA. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We know that there is going to be an influx of 1099K forms issued in 2024 for the 2023 tax year. I call it when I speak uh, at events the, the Swifty rules, and I'm going to tell you why we talk about it like that. We're also going to talk about remedies and, and really realistic ways to handle um, receiving one of these forms because it's going to happen. But as John said, the 1099K has been around a while. We are very familiar with different type of 1099 forms like a NEC or MISC or even a 1099 interest form. Um, in general, 1099 is issued when someone pays someone or someone receives income that is not employment related. That's kind of the, the 30,000 foot view of what a 1099 is. And well, would, a, would a 1099K actually be the form who somebody who um, who is operating like a property on Airbnb or VRBO? Is that similar to what they would receive or is this something different? Yes, they could, depending on what their third party payment provider is. So if they're okay. getting, if they're using Stripe or Venmo, uh, they would receive that. If someone is managing a property for somebody else, they'll receive a different type of 1099 that indicates rent. But if you list your property on Airbnb, B VRBO, uh, I mean, you know, quite frankly, teaching tax flow, we, our subscribers, our premium subscription, 
uh, the revenue from that goes through Stripe. So we will we'll receive a 1099K uh, for that. So yeah, it, it, that could very well happen. Um, the 1099K has been around a long, quite a while. And why, why do we have this rule? Um, well, Congress feels that there's a lot of money being made out there uh, that is not reported. And they're right. They're, they're, that's called the tax gap. Now, there's a lot of debate as to was the remedy, meaning the American Rescue Plan Act and the change to the 1099K rule, really appropriate uh, or was it a little bit of a, a what of an overstep, if you will. So originally, if you were operating, um, selling things online, using uh, et cetera, et cetera, you know, let's say selling things on eBay or using Stripe or PayPal, before Previously, or before the American Rescue Plan Act, the transaction payments had to exceed $20,000 and over 200 transactions for you to be issued a 1099K. Now, I'm going to step back. If you are running a business and you have revenue from the business, regardless if you received a 1099K or not in the past, you're required to report all your income. This is just, let's talk, so I'm going to throw that out there. But the 1099K reporting, unless you did $20,000 worth of of transactions and 200 total transactions, your third-party payment providers, i.k.a. Apple Pay, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, Stripe, were not required to issue you a 1099K, nor were credit card payments. Uh, so if you, let's say you operated a retail store, most retail stores receive a 1099k from their their credit card companies when they're processing third party you know like third party network providers and whoever you're using to uh, to process credit card transactions for. And this could then this will I should say can it would directly affect um, like we have a bunch of friends here here in town who you know they're kind of hobby hobbyist crafters who sell a lot of stuff on Facebook Marketplace right and they're preferred. Um, provider, or I should say payment processor, is usually Venmo, right? So what what we're saying here is previously, they could, in a sense, sell $19,999 and kind of, you know, giving the teaching tax flow disclaimer that we're here to legally and ethically reduce the taxes you pay over your lifetime. It is their decision if they actually wanted to claim that $19,999 previously because nobody well, else would say anything, right? In a sense, I mean, they, they should if they're if they, well. That's a whole other issue between hobby <laughs> right. hobby rules and business income. So if you're making income, you're supposed to be reporting that on your tax return. This really comes down to, I think, with the big issue with the 1099K is going to be that there are a lot of people that are going to receive this form that shouldn't have, that are not really in a business, uh, and it was it's an unintended consequence. So let's walk, work through some of the rules and the changes. So before. Again, it had it, you had to have twenty thousand dollars worth of income and two hundred transactions for you to be issued a ten ninety nine k. That was set to change in twenty twenty two. In what well, it's our opinion is in in general as a tax professional community is that the IRS doesn't like this rule because the 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 enforcement of it um, is going to be arduous, right? And this is a rule set out by Congress, so. That because there's such a paperwork crunch and report the reporting requirements for this rule are a burden, 
it was bumped to 2023. So, okay, this was supposed to take effect January 1, 2022. It got bumped to January 1st, 2023. So everyone a year ago was like, uh, I'm taking a deep breath. Well, guess what? Now we're at the end of 2023. And so now we're, the rule takes effect and we're going to see a lot of people receive 1099Ks this year. So let's talk about the types of payments reported on 1099Ks. Those are going to be debit card payments, credit card payments, store value cards, so like gift cards from, from retail stores, third-party network payments, um, you know, pay, payment providers are people like eBay, Etsy, Amazon, Facebook Marketplace. So John, let's say you have an old rocking chair that you sell on Facebook Marketplace and the new threshold, which I just told me that I failed to manage, failed to failed to mention, went from $20,000 to be issued a 1099K to $600. So what if you just sold some furniture you had laying around the house on Facebook Market, Facebook Marketplace for $605? Guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a 1099K for $605. Now, are you in the business of selling things on Facebook Marketplace or Amazon or Etsy or eBay? You're probably not. Not one bit, and you wouldn't want it. And I started to write down too some other examples, Chris. That tell me if tell me if these kind of fall into it. I mean, you gave that a great example of the Swifty rule, um, which I'll let you describe that one in detail because that's a a very real example. Um, but some of the other ones too, like that just come to mind is you might have a group of say students in a dorm that you know one person is in charge of going grocery shopping. All of a sudden, that person, from what this is going to lead to, is somebody's going to get one of these forms and not going to know what to do with it. They may choose not to do anything with it. And it's kind of a snowball effect of really just a stressful, I wouldn't say useless, but um, unpopular form being issued, I think might be the best exactly. way to put it, right? The intent of, of lowering the threshold from $20,000 to $600, I, I make that makes sense. Do I think it should be six $600 for issuing the 1099 k Personally, no. I think that I think it should be probably, uh, you know, $2,500 to $5,000 seems reasonable, but you nailed it. I've got tons of examples. I use the Swifty example, uh, but let's just dive into it now since we, we keep dangling that carrot. John, we know you're, you're a certified Swifty. You go out, T-Sizzles, come into Detroit, you get four tickets, right? You buy them for whatever fair face value is, is probably $700 for a run. Well, let's say probably for 40, 40 grand a pop or whatever they're going <laughs> for these days, right? You buy the tickets for, for $800 each, okay? You, you and your wife attend and you invite a couple friends. Let's say you're a generous guy and you don't want to make money. You, can, you know you can go sell them online for double, triple the amount, but you're like, hey, these are my friends. I'm going to... Just give me the 800 bucks for the tickets. Like most people, they transact using Venmo. They Venmo you the 1600 bucks. You give them the tickets. Guess what happens? You're going to get a 1099K from Venmo. Same thing could happen with, so there's some unintended consequences. Same thing could happen with the parent that's pooling money together to buy, to sell Girl Scout cookies. How many times have you been walking out of the grocery store? Hey, we're selling Popcorn for the Cub Scouts. We're selling cookies for the Girl Scouts. Oh, darn, I don't have, you know, let me, let me Venmo you six bucks. It's all in that person's personal name. Now, all of a sudden they have a 1099K in their name 
that is that is uh, troublesome. We'll say that person. I can not- only imagine what happens with like bar tabs, right? Where somebody's like, "Oh, I'll get the next one." No, just Venmo it to me. All of a sudden, you're uh, you're getting a couple a uh, couple forms from mm-hmm. covered people's. But yeah, yeah, like you said, there's there's almost an unlimited number of examples. I think we can brew up, pun intended. It, so again, so the 1099k itself first. The first thing is, I'm almost certain it's going to be sent to people electronically, right? It's probably not going to get mailed to you. So the first thing is making sure that if you received one, or if you have a PayPal account, Venmo account, make sure you log in and, and grab the 1099k if you think you're going to be received one. You're going to receive one next year. It'll come in Jan- during January, most likely of 2024. Do not ignore this. The form itself will probably get sent to you electronically. It'll identify how many, what your gross sales were for the year. And actually, not, and I shouldn't say sales, because for some of you, you're not selling anything. You're just, you know, mm-hmm. John, I had Titan season tickets. We didn't get them this year, but the year before. And if you sell tickets on Ticketmaster, Ticketmaster asks now for your social security number, and you will get a 1099K if you went over the $600. The form itself breaks down not only how many transactions there were, how much money was exchanged hands but also the money that exchanged hands by months, which is another interesting factor. And it's, you mentioned too, Chris, I, before we forget to, to maybe give this little tidbit out there is, you know, that you mentioned that when they're sent electronically, I remember this, um, oh my gosh, probably 10 years ago or so where some forms started to be sent electronically and the subject line of the emails, I mean, they either got filtered out by spam or they just weren't exactly clear on what they're notifying you of, I feel like they've actually, and, and this is a general term, a lot of organizations have done a better job of being more direct and like, hey, your tax documents are now available. So if you right. see something like that, that's probably what you're alluding to is it's a form similar to this one that they have prepared for you, correct? Exactly. So so here's, here's some of the things that we're going to be concerned with, right? It's not a matter of when, but or if, when you receive a 1099K, the first question you need to ask yourself is, am I in a business? Is this a hobby? Is it investment income? Or is it personal income? And one other thing to consider is the 1099K will report your gross amount of money exchanged. It doesn't factor in or deduct any type of fees or expenses associated with that. Um, so make sure you document those transactions. Um, and we have to consider what happens if we, you know, get the, cause there's going to be people that get a 1099 K's in air. There's going to be people that, that we're doing something innocent. So I want to run through just in the next couple of minutes, some examples of situations so that if you're listening to this, it resonates with you or, or someone, you know, we have a lot of tax professionals that listen and we also have a lot of taxpayers that listen how to handle something. So let's say, John, let's say you received a 1099K from PayPal for 2000 bucks. And you're like, I don't even have a PayPal account. What the heck? Well, that's the problem, right? Because IRS thinks you received $2,000 on PayPal. For all they know, you could have sold some of your baseball cards or your hockey, probably hockey cards for you or your memorabilia, right? So are you in the, and you don't even have one. Well, in that case, obviously you want to contact PayPal and try to get that resolved. But there's other, but the chances that PayPal is going to resolve it in a timely fashion, and by the time, and you want to have your tax return prepared or prepared on your own, 
is is not is pretty slim. The other worry is identity theft. So in that case, what you're going to do is you're going to put you're going to have to report. I said don't ignore it. You're going to want to report that two thousand dollars on your tax return, but then you're going to want to take it off the tax return as an adjustment because what we don't want to do is trigger something called an IRS CP two thousand notice. What that means is that this ten ninety nine k went to the IRS. You we have to address the ten ninety nine k in your tax return, even if we put it on and and then take a deduction against it. So there's really no effect on your return or because we don't want the IRS to say, hey, you made that $2,000. Hey, we want $600 a tax. You know, are you running a business? We want our 6,600 bucks of tax. So there's- And I know there's, I know there's all these examples too. And and Chris, I, I would say this, Um, you know, I'll ask this question that if you have nothing else to add to it, obviously we could, we could close out there. But if somebody does get one of these, like you had mentioned, it's very important to report it. Um, whether that's adding it and then removing it, um, obviously in a different line. But for somebody who is, say, preparing their own returns, and this might be a, a conversation for a later date in a little bit more detail, but you know, how do they go about this? Because it seems like a lot of the DIY solutions, um, I shouldn't say solutions, DIY approaches to you know tax filing is you basically just check a box and put in a number, and it may not give you a very clear opportunity to adjust that, we should say. Correct. So let's talk through there. What happens if you do receive one? The first thing you want to do is determine: Is it correct? Should I have received this? If you shouldn't have received it, our first, or you think it's incorrect, you should request that it gets corrected. Unfortunately, the yeah, in the real world, those things don't happen very quickly. So uh, let's assume the 1099k you received was correct. Make sure that you identify what type of transactions that you you partook in, right? Well, are they personal? Are they hobby? Are you in a trader business, or was this an investment? Okay, so in the example of the Taylor Swift tickets, John, if you had sold those tickets at a profit, that would be considered an investment, and it would be reported as a short-term capital gain. You'd get to deduct the cost of the tickets. You'd get to deduct the expenses related to transferring the tickets to someone, but you may have sold them to an unrelated party at quite a profit. I would I would sell that in an investment. Um, so if it's a personal, again, you have got to determine, is it personal? You're going to record it on schedule 89 or form 8949 and schedule D. I don't want to get too technical. Hobby, you're going to report on schedule one. You're not allowed to take a loss. Trader business goes on schedule, most likely schedule C but it could be Schedule F if you're a farmer. It could be Schedule E if you rental, own rental property, John. I know a lot of people pay their rent to their landlord using Venmo. That could that could just be rental income. Or investment could go on Form 8949 or Schedule D. So again, point is, if you receive the form, make sure it's correct and you actually receive that money. Then work with your tax professional or jump in or defeating taxes private Facebook group and help get some guidance. You're right, John. If you're doing some DIY tax prep, unfortunately, you could pop the numbers in from your 1099K and it just doesn't understand what it was for. And you might be paying tax on a lot of income that you shouldn't be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Chris, thank you so much for going into this. I know this is something kind of a, a hot topic in the world right now of tax. There's going to be a lot of questions that surround this. So that being said, I know we're going to talk about this probably a couple more times, even before the end of the year comes up, but then obviously as the new year rolls around, we want to make sure everybody is prepared for this 
um, and really just very knowledgeable on different situations, different ways to go about it. Um, it's not to be scared about. There, there's a solution for everything. So that being said, thank you again. Thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you everybody for these questions surrounding these 1099Ks. I know there's a lot of them. So same time, same place. We will see you again next week here on the Teaching Tax Flow Podcast. Hey everybody, John Trapalski here from the Teaching Tax Flow team. Thank you for taking some time listening to this show as always. Great topic suggested to us by the community as we mentioned. But if you have any questions on these 1099Ks, best place to do it is on the Defeating Taxes private Facebook group. Drop your questions in there. Best place to get a good, honest answer from a tax pro, from fellow community members. That's the place you need to be there if you're not. This is your private invite. Go to defeatingtaxes.com. Send it straight there. No excuses while you're not sitting with the cool kids. So that being said, we will see everyone here back on the Teaching Tax Flow podcast next week. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum. The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer.